This is episode number five of Pattern Studies Radio. I'm going to spend the first part of this podcast uh, talking mostly about lowercase sound. This is a term coined by uh, Steve Roden, who released an album. I think it was online, but I'm not totally sure about that, uh, called Forms of Paper. That was mostly or entirely, uh, no, entirely consisted of uh, just recordings of paper sounds. So I had a little moment of synchronicity this week. I was catching up with uh, some new work by uh, Mae Waver, who is a... Minnesota-based artist. One of the things that she does is is uh, sort of appropriate the AMSR uh, video style for her own work. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, it's, uh, I think I'm getting the acronym right, AMSR. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember what it stands for, but essentially the idea is that uh, there are certain delicate sounds that have certain properties for certain folks. who, upon hearing these types of sounds, fingers running through hair, paper on paper, quiet, delicate types of sounds, experience something, something physical, some kind of sensation. It's sort of a positive, soothing, sensation so her most recent video that I'm aware of is uh, called Cathexis which I'm going to have to look that up because I know what catharsis means but uh I don't know what cathexis means. I assume it's a real word. Also, probably Latin. Um, but the video basically is 
almost 10 minutes of her writing in a journal. So it's a close-up of the journal. And uh, the audio is mostly the sounds of pencil and paper, tapping the paper of the book with the pencil occasionally as she's like thinking about what she wants to write. There's a nice little segment near the end where she pauses to resharpen the pencil and so you get with a knife so you get this nice metal on wood thing happening for a minute but the for me the interesting thing for about this video was or at least what sort of launched me into now ultimately doing this podcast at least the first part of it about lowercase sound um is as she's writing in her journal, it's not just nonsense. Like some, some AMSR videos that I've seen, and I, and I don't claim to be an expert in the, in the, in the field at all, um, but I've seen a handful. And sometimes it's mostly about the sort of superficial aspects of the sound. So the content is a little bit nonsense, which is interesting and actually can maybe help you focus on the quality of the sound. You can probably hear my cat. It'll probably feature prominently in this episode, given how quiet it is. Um, so as she's writing in her journal, one really interesting thing for me came up, which was this idea of sensuality. As a sort of compliment maybe to happiness <clears throat> and what was interesting to me is like if, I think for most people probably the conventional sense of the word sensual conjures up some kind of like erotic or sexual sort of meaning but what I love is that May Waver is using the, the term and like it's very kind of it's 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 a, it's a piece of jargon almost where really it's it's about it's of the senses, right? Like the original usage of the word sensual. Something of the senses. And that for me kind of perfectly describes the attraction to lowercase sound work and it came together <laughs> for me relatively abruptly that um that's probably why I'm sort of tangentially interested in AMSR videos too like the, I mean of course the sound immediately is is amazing like it, it's it's rare enough to find something on YouTube especially <laughs> that um such a such a sort of cultural movement uh on YouTube that doubles as just this um well the videos are all very patient most of them are very long incorporate tons of silence it's almost von der Wasser works it's it, the good ones are really really good um for the same reason that in my opinion that the best lowercase music is, is really really good so the synchronicity for me was was thinking about this idea of sensuality in terms of lowercase sound 
as being a way to sort of describe what I think essentially when I first encountered the work of Baron Gunther, um, who was my introduction to the whole lowercase thing, um, even though he doesn't really specifically associate it with that per se. Um, when I was in college, uh, I read an interview with Jim O'Rourke and the interviewer asked him, what's the, what's the most interesting thing going on in computer music right now? And he said, Bernard Gunther. And Impute uh, Nesli had just came out. I'm butchering that, I'm sure, which is French for um, a little bit of salty snow. And uh, as far as I know, that was his first record, at least the first thing that he had published publicly. Um, and so I spent months reading about that and reading as much as I could about him and his music and his philosophy before I was able to actually obtain a copy of the record. Um, at this point, you know, Napster existed, but uh, it was a small enough press that it just did, I, I wasn't able to find anything. <laughs> um, and so it was just a matter of like finding the right distributor, ordering the import, saving up, you know, as a broke college student to buy a, you know, 30 or $40 album. Um, and that experience for me was was really interesting where that like I spent this this sort of um this time leading up to actually hearing the music I'd never heard anything of his and and I'd never knowingly heard uh anything like it well I'd never heard anything like it I think at that point I was listening to some a lot of computer music and sort of glitchy stuff, and, but nothing, nothing, nothing like Bernard Gunther. Um, anyway, before I talk too long about this, the, the interesting thing, the thing for me about that I, I sort of wonder about that record is that um, it had such a huge impact for me because I spent so much time before listening to it sort of marinated in his philosophy. And if I if I just heard, if somebody just played it for me off the bat, I think I probably would have thought, oh, gee, this is kind of ridiculous. That's There's almost nothing happening. Um, the synchronicity came into play just realizing that my attraction to Bernard Gunther's work, which I associated very directly with um and this is because it you know his work is very much directly associated with uh zen buddhism so he has this idea of music his practice of music is as as attempting to uh exist as as a tree like a tree it's there it's not demanding your attention it's it's maybe just part of an environment it's it's uh, it doesn't make any assumptions it's not telling you a story but you can study it as deeply as you want to and like the more mindful you're about it and the more you focus on your senses
the more the, the work reveals itself. So this idea of music being like a tree just immediately trying to describe that ineffable quality of experience when when meditating for example which i think is very close to the experience that you have when listening to bernard gunter's work in 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 the an ideal sort of context um which is all about mindfulness and I just think that the term like sensual describes that so perfectly. If you can disassociate from the baggage that it has culturally. So May Waver, Bernard Gunter, and the last point of synchronicity, and this all sort of came to came together in the last couple of days was I had the opportunity to listen to a really wonderful album by uh, Daniel Blinkhorn, uh, which will be coming out on Audiobulb Records soon. Um, and it's constructed from recordings that he made in the Antarctic. Um, no, that's not true. Yeah, I think it is. It's either the Antarctic or somewhere in Alaska, just the very deep north. And honestly, I don't remember where. But he spent quite a lot of time there and made uh, many field recordings. And so, if you're if you're familiar with the the Colin Olin release in Apostarcha from, I mean, that's early two thousands, um, where he Colin Olin froze two uh, waterproofed contact microphones into a block of ice and the entire piece is a recording of that ice melting it's amazing um so for me (laughs) it's that sound world um but highly composed so um that all connects to uh recently getting access to um uh, an isolation booth and getting that set up with some friends um, in order to do some recording. And a lot of us want to use it for a sort of traditional, you know, vocal setup. Um, but I'm mostly excited about using it for uh, detailed recording. I don't really have a good setup for that right now, but um, something came together for me thinking about this project in regards to my next album recording small sounds in a context of and using them in a context of like sensuality I suppose and more than just the Bernard Gunter senses what I, the thing I love about May Waver's conception of this if I'm understanding it correctly is there's it's it's a It's a little bit less austere in some way. It's a little bit more about that feeling that we get when we're, you know, comfortable alone in our bedroom, just, you know, with a book or just having one of those quiet moments. You know, Brian Eno, remember those quiet evenings? 
uh, it's exactly that. And I just, I thought the term captured that so, so perfectly. So we're listening now to, I've already talked way, way, way too long. Um, we're listening now to a short script that I came up with uh, this morning, just thinking about all of this and, and still don't feel like I'm really articulating with uh, articulating it very well. But uh, what I'd like is um, for this to spark a little bit of a discussion in some contexts. And I don't know how to make that happen with this podcast at this moment. So find me on Twitter or something like that, and we'll figure it out. We'll have a little, we'll have a, we'll have a talk. But the script basically does, well, a handful of things. There are synthesized tones, like you just heard. which are made up of sort of two sets of sounds. One is the attack portion, um, which is very short, <clears throat> um, has a randomly selective envelope, and generally uses uh, waveforms that have a rougher spectral char characteristic. And uh, it's mixed with a set of um, resonances or tail tail pitches uh, at the same frequency, but um, probably different waveform, uh, you know, much quieter and pans out. So you get the little ping with the resonance at the end. Um, and that tail consists of somewhere between three and six layered sounds, and any one of them can be uh, bent over time and pitch. And I really like those moments. <laughs> that actually reminds me very directly of Un Pew de Neige in some moments where there's these wonderful um, high frequency uh, glissando, glissandi that happen um, that have this sort of shimmering effect to them. So the other component is. Uh, two field recordings. One uh, is a field recording that I use a lot and I really enjoy, uh, which is a recording of olive oil boiling in a pan. And that's been featured on an episode of this podcast before. Um, the other field recording is um, 11 minutes or so of me <laughs> with a zoom positioned in front of a fireplace and poking occasionally at the fire um, that I just uncovered today. And I recorded this in college, so I don't know, 13 years ago and, and uh, used it extensively for a number of years. It's this, there's just a lot of gold in there. And, uh, Today is my first time using the sound again for, for for a long time. So I'm going to end this podcast very soon, I promise you. 
Uh, we'll try to keep it under, well, it's going to be just over 30 now at this point, but um, I'm going to end it something very, uh, very not lowercase, uh, which is a new version of a piece that I played in an earlier form on this podcast before, uh, currently called Study 9. Um, a friend of mine is going to rap over it. And uh, the last time I played it, it was essentially just a beat that uh, that looped, but never exactly repeated itself. Um, and it's been I fleshed it out much more at this point. Um, so instead of talking at length about it, I'm gonna play it. And thank you again for listening. <laughs>
Mm-hmm.